Hi, this is George Harris, and you're listening to Cigar City Radio. Cigar City Radio is sponsored by No Clubs and StateMedia.com. Find out about upcoming concerts in Tampa Bay by visiting StateMedia.com and tagging No Clubs on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Use the hashtag WeAreConcerts. I had the pleasure of attending a No Clubs show just last week as uh, the Descendants came to the Bay Area for the first time in 20-something years. Uh, they were joined by Radkey, who instantly became one of my favorite bands live. Absolutely incredible show from all the bands that performed. And uh, it was quite the crowd. There were a lot of aging punks there was who are still keeping it punk rock and keeping the spirit alive. The pit was nuts. So what else does No Clubs have for you this month? Well, they've got... Black Angels and Black Lips. That's happening Wednesday, April 18th at State Theater. Saturday, April 21st, they've got Nightwish doing their Decades North America tour. That's at Janice Live, Saturday, April 21st. And Friday, April 27th, a hardcore, hardcore show with Memphis May Fire, Fire from the Gods, Up From Here, and Safer Waters. That's happening at the State Theater a little bit of an earlier start, 6.30 doors. So be there for that Friday, April 27th. Don't go see Avengers. Go see Avengers the day after. Instead, go see Memphis Mayfire on the 27th. Right? Avengers. Yeah, they can wait. Yeah, that'll be there. But Memphis Mayfire will only be there on Friday. But you can catch all of that info and more at statemedia.com. Welcome to Cigar City Radio, episode number 73. The song you just heard was Who Am I Feeling by Send Medicine from the album Scary Aquarius Daughter. I'm your host, Randy Ojeda, and making the magic happen, the tie-dye shirt wearing Jason Solanez. Randy, I'll tell you who I'm feeling. Who are, who, oh God, who are you feeling? Just myself, man. My hand's on my leg, and I'm sitting here comfortably. I'm, I'm feeling myself. Hey, that's good, man. Body positivity, my friend. Um, Body positivity. Indeed, indeed. At least for my leg. Yeah. At least for my leg. And thigh area. And thigh area. And upper thigh area. Yeah. Our guest on this episode is American singer and blues man, John P. Hammond, the son of famed record producer John H. Hammond. He's been performing and touring since the early 1960s. He's worked with musicians like Jimi Hendrix, Eric Clapton, Dr. John, Dwayne Allman, Tom Waits, 
many more, you name it. He was also the host of the documentary The Search for Robert Johnson. He did the soundtrack for the Dustin Hoffman film Little Big Man. I bet you didn't know that, Jason. I have no idea. Yeah, I know. Check that, check that one out. And he's won one Grammy and taken home seven Grammy nominations, all in the traditional blues category. And he was inducted into the Blues Hall of Fame. So talk about a legend. It was a pleasure to have him on the show. Big shout out to our intern, Kaja, for very persistently staying in touch with John Hammond's team to make sure that this interview happened. Kaja even picked John up from his hotel, brought him to the interview, and drove him back. So in many ways, this episode would not have happened without Kaja. So thank you very much, Kaja, for all your help. You are awesome. So here it is, episode 73. joined by blues legend john hammond can we call you a legend i, I don't do- know i don't think of myself as a legend but i think uh, we think of you as a legend all right because <laughs> <laughs> you've been playing blues for a long time you've been you know long time long career as a musician you know t- tell us a little bit because uh we have a lot of younger listeners who might not be as hip to the blues or uh this you know the style and the craft of the blues so what what is the blues to you and where where did it come from well the blues is a genre of american roots music that uh started to be recorded in the 1920s um it evolved from you know the the mixture of uh of people that came from all over you know, the world to the United States. There was, I think blues is a kind of a, a combo of music from all over, including Africa and Europe and uh, even Native Americans. Uh, and it evolved, like I said, in uh, the beginning of the 20th century and then started to be recorded about uh, in the 1920s. Um, a lot of the the great blues artists were um, African American players uh, that were just so talented and so remarkable that it caught the ear and the eye of uh, uh, the people who made records, and there was a market for it, and it got exploited. Uh, in the beginning, they were it was called race records. Mm-hmm. Um, I got turned on to uh, blues music um, uh, when I was seven years old, 1949. Uh, my father brought me to hear uh, an artist named Big Bill Brunzi. Mm. Um, I was just blown away by his music, his personality. Um, I was introduced to him after the show. He was a, a friend of my father's. And soon thereafter, I started to just gravitate towards uh, blues music. And um, in the 1950s, when I was in my early teens, uh, uh, I really got hooked. (laughs) Started buying records. Um, 
There were, uh, I, I grew up in New York City. Uh, there were venues where artists came through and played, uh, blues artists. There were artists like um, Lead Belly, uh, Josh White, Sonny Terry and Brownie McGee. Um, so I got to hear it live and also on records. Um, I bought a guitar when I was uh, 17 and I started playing professionally when I was 19. Uh, I went as far away from home as I could get. I wound up in Los Angeles and uh, started playing in nightclubs there. Um, I had almost immediate success as an artist. Uh, for whatever reason, <laughs> I, just, I was completely into it. I, um, made enough money to buy a car and drove back east and uh, auditioned at a club in New York City uh, and got hired to play at this uh, folk club where artists like Bob Dylan played and Joan Baez and blues artists came through town and played at this place. Uh, Roosevelt Sykes and John Lee Hooker, uh, just to name a few. Uh, and I got the gig. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, paired with uh, Phil Oaks. Phil Oaks and I played for a week and we were held over for another week. And we were both signed up to Vanguard Records. So I just turned 20 and I made my first record. Uh, and it was, I was on the map. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I've been doing it for now for 56 years. So b backing up a little bit, because I'm always <clears throat> intrigued by kind of how this, the music scenes were back then. So what was like the music scene like in New York compared to, or the blues scene like in New York compared to the blues scene in Los Angeles when you drove out there? Well, it was kind of a mixed bag. There were areas that were blues areas where it was uh, mostly a black audience and venues were from anything from juke joints to, you know, nightclubs. Um, but the folk scene kind of incorporated blues into the, the folk genre, you know, and mm -hmm. uh, I was uh, accepted. Uh, wasn't easy. Uh, there was a lot of racial profiling kind of thing, you know, like, oh, how can a white person sing blues and so forth? Yeah. But I didn't care. That's what I wanted to do. And yeah, I just sure. went for it and uh, overcame a lot of obstacles and made records and traveled everywhere. I've, this has been my life. I have a question because you sing <laughs> overcoming obstacles. I heard you as a kid you would have a you had a stutter. Like that's right. How did you manage to correct that and just? I never stuttered when I sang. Yeah. And when I got on the stage, it was like another part of me came out that I I didn't question it or doubt it. I just went for it, you know. And uh, interesting, you should know that. <laughs> but. Um, uh, I guess I've overcome a, a lot of things over the years. And yes, and also because I was hearing that you went on, uh, you did a couple concerts with Howling Wolf. Do you I think did. those people, like, was they were mentors to you? Like the oh, people absolutely. that you met along the way? These were idols of yeah. mine uh, that, 
I got to be on shows and tour with them and like Muddy Waters and Howling Wolf and John Lee Hooker, Willie Dixon. Uh, but there were a lot of the older players, the, the actual, the, the guys who, who originated the music, uh, artists like Sunhouse and uh, Skip James and Buckle White and uh, Big Boy Crudup and these were really intense players, and Big Joe Williams and Robert Nighthawk. I got to be on shows with all these guys, and there were folk festivals that would would have blues artists as well, and a lot of these guys were still happening in the 60s, and uh, I got to be on shows with all these phenomenal players, and it was really inspirational to me. You think that helped develop kind of your... Uh your specific sort of blues sound of seeing these I guys. guess I don't you know I mean I just went for it you know I I was inspired to to want to play the music and uh, I'd listened to so many different artists I guess I came up with my own style over the years and uh, um, I, I I liked so much of them and there's so many different styles of blues you know mm -hmm. and I was just sort of engrossed in immersed in it <laughs> yeah yeah um i know that's a one one thing that i've always appreciated about your music and your records too is that you um you dig up these like blues these blues songs that not everybody you know it's not the typical blues standards that people are playing like you're really you know keeping the history of blues alive in in your music is that something you've always strived for mm -hmm. Maybe indirectly, I, I, I just like the stuff that I like and wanted to do the stuff that I liked. And I, I guess subconsciously um, wanted to have stuff that was interesting and different that not everybody just did. And uh, I knew so many songs. I, I felt very uh, comfortable doing what I like to do. <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like in that sense, like you've introduced me and probably a lot of, you know, a lot of... Uh, a whole generation of, of listeners to other blues artists and blues songwriters. Cause you know, half the time I'm going through your records, I'm like, Oh, who wrote this song and who wrote this and going back and like going sort of into a blues wormhole, you know, where I just keep <laughs> finding new. It's musicians. huge, isn't yeah. it? It's unbelievable. It is, yeah, it's there's, un there's so many artists and so many styles and fortunately everybody got to, re not everybody, but a lot of these great artists got to record so there it is. You can go back and check it out. You know, Leroy Carr and uh, uh, Baby Boy Warren and all these amazing players that maybe made two or three records, but there they are. You can you can dig them up. Yeah. You go on YouTube. You can get videos of these incredible players that who knew that there was any any recording of them. I mean. Uh, video recordings it's amazing is that something you do from time to time no i don't i'm <laughs> no. <laughs> i'm completely um computer illiterate uh i don't my wife is really good at it but uh you know i just know what i know from experience not not so much from uh high tech yeah <laughs> low tech that's what i am <laughs> was uh was there ever a point in your career when you felt drawn by a different genre of music Oh, there's lots of music I love uh, that isn't blues necessarily. Mm -hmm. I, I've always liked certain jazz artists and um, 
in, even Indian music, uh, ragas and talas and uh, country music and, you know, early country bluegrass and stuff. I've been on shows with so many different artists. Uh, um, when I first started playing in Los Angeles, there was a club called the Ash Grove. It was fantastic. They had everything from blues to jazz to poetry to bluegrass. I got to be on shows with some phenomenal bluegrass players that were just awesome. They tend to I've be always way, admired yeah. great playing. You yeah. know? I mean, I. But what I do is blues. That's what I've always done. Yeah. But uh, I've I've been drawn, as you say, to uh, all kinds of music. Have Has anybody ever requested to have you on one of their albums that's not a blues album? So somebody searched really deep for your material. Would they ever find something not blues? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> and that's I have to think back because I've made a lot of recordings and I've, uh, I've recorded with a lot of artists, but not so much as a side man. Um, mm. I've always, you know, had my own way of wanting to do things. And uh, so artists, various artists who, you know, like have recorded with me, um, artists like uh, the band when they were Levon and the Hawks, uh, uh, Dwayne Almond when he was uh, a s studio guitar player in uh, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, uh, Dr. John and Michael Bloomfield, Charlie Musselwhite, um, Tom Waits. Uh, I've, I've, I've had some amazing experiences as a, a performer and had a chance to collaborate with some phenomenal players. What was it like working with Tom Waits? I, I know it he was, it it was, was the Wicked awesome. Grin album. That yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Well, I met Tom Waits in uh, 1974. I was uh, on some sh shows in Arizona and New Mexico, and he opened a show for me in um, Tempe, Arizona. And uh, he was so good, I didn't want to go on. He was just <laughs> unbelievable. He was, his songs were just uh, mesmerizing. Uh, he was a phenomenal artist, and uh, I had to go on, so I played my show, and he came backstage and introduced himself after my set, and he said, man, I've been a fan of yours since I was in high school. And I couldn't believe it. But uh, and the way we became friends, he moved to New York for a while, and I got to hang out with him there. And um, everybody started recording his songs. And I mean, he became a huge star. I moved back to the West Coast, and I sort of fell out of touch with him. And um, I was recording in San Francisco in 1992. J.J. Kale was producing the record, and um, Tom came to, this, to the recording session, and uh, he wrote a song for me, and, uh, and we sort of reconnected. Um, Do you remember what song that was? Uh, no One Can Forgive Me But My Baby. <laughs> An outrageous song that my wife saw him sit down and write in about 10 minutes. <laughs> I know, it was amazing. Anyway, um, uh, in 1999, he asked me to record with him on an album he was doing called Mule Variations. Yeah, it's one of his best. And I played some harmonica on one, as this is sort of outside of my realm, but uh, 
I, I really admired Tom to the point where I, I felt I could do it. And um, so that went really well. Uh, my wife Marla and his wife Kathleen were hanging out and my wife Marla said, well, what do you think the idea of Tom producing an album on John? He could be there every night, take care of the kids. And, uh, <laughs> and she said, you know, that would be a great idea. And before you know it, uh, it was in our laps to make something happen. And uh, um, it evolved. Uh, there wasn't a lot of time. It was done in about four or five days, the whole, the whole album. And uh, um, these were Tom Waits songs that I had never heard before. And I sort of just winged it and played them my way. Um, we had a great little band to work with, uh, Stephen Hodges and Augie Myers and Larry Taylor. Uh, eventually we got um, Charlie Musselwhite to do some harmonica with it and uh, the record came out so good. Uh, the songs, I was just inspired and I played the My Way blues style, and uh, I don't know, I'm really proud of it. So so it's the wives that brought this together? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, where things come from, you can't always predict. It, it just worked out really well. Yeah. Well, it's always good when the wives get along. Yes. <laughs> That's the first step to friendship and marriage, your wife getting along with the person. That's right. That's very true. <laughs> Um, well, this is a question about your documentary, The Search for Robert Johnson. Uh, yes, um, that's how I actually heard of you from that movie. Uh, yes. Um, did you, as a kid, like, because you got to walk the same streets as Robert Johnson, yeah. did you, like, ever romanticize, like, as a kid, like, going down to Mississippi and, like... Fantasize? Yeah. Yes, I did. Um, <laughs> when I, I, I went to school in Ohio place called Antioch College. It had a work-study program. So you would be on campus for six months and working a job somewhere for six months. One of the jobs I took was uh, near Boca Grande, Florida. And I had just started playing the guitar. And I used to hang out in, in Boca Grande sometimes. And I had a day off from this I was a maintenance man on a little island. <clears throat> and um, so I met this guy named Albert McCall. He was a harmonica player. This was in the black part of uh, the town. And uh, I'd just play the guitar and sing. And guys would come around and say, oh, man, look at this guy playing blues. Woo. How is that possible? But uh, I was fearless. I didn't care. I just loved the music. So I had a sense of being down south and playing in that kind of atmosphere that I'm sure Robert Johnson played in so many of the great country blues players. That was my first taste. And then when I started playing professionally, uh, I traveled everywhere and I, all through the south, all through the north and Canada, everywhere. So I felt like I was part of the tradition, you know, of. Uh, itinerant blues singer. I am. <laughs> you become what you want to be sometimes. Mm. If you work hard enough, right? Yeah. I guess. I'm here to tell you I've done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
Well, I'm especially glad you never plan to move to New Orleans like Ray Davis and end up getting shot. So, mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good. Well, I'm, I'm a fortunate guy. Yeah, yeah I really am. So, uh, a little more recently, actually, um, you worked with um, G Love from G Love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. G Love. Garrett Dutton is uh, a good friend. He came to hear me play when he was uh, not old enough to get into this club where I was playing. And um, he decided to wait around to see anyone that was old enough to be his parents uh, walk in and, and have, have them bring him in. Really? And my wife and I walked in and he said, hey, could you get me in to see the show? And not knowing it was me. And then all of a sudden, this is what he tells me, he was inspired to want to play. Wow. And uh, so I've known Garrett a long time and he's, he's a phenomenal player, a great guy. And he's got that, whatever that thing is, yeah, that yeah. makes you stand out. He's, we he's just really had great. him on our show. Oh, um, you did on yeah, a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, he's um, he's really he's the real deal. Yeah, he definitely is. And w actually, one of the things that he told us uh, was that his next album, he's work, he wants to go for the Blues Grammy. That's what he said. He's gone wants to make a straight ahead blues album. You're giving well, him he can do up. it. He can do it. I think he can. Oh, I know he can do it. <laughs> So you so you've known him a long time, then, yeah, yes, yeah, and and seen him kind of since he grow. started out, right? That's incredible. I didn't yeah. know that. Well, well, the the album that he produced for me, you know, I wrote five songs. I'm not a songwriter as per se, but I was inspired to do that, and he got right into it himself. And no, I mean, it was really a, a great experience. Uh, he's got a lot of poise, and he's got a lot of just good instincts, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and you said that that you you know you're not really a songwriter, and and I guess in in your career you've done a lot of you know versions of other people's songs, but I, I know so many songs. It's you know it's all up here. So, so you figure why why I write? never felt like in like I had to write songs in order to do what I love to do. So I mean I like to say, I mean Ray Charles was not a songwriter. Elvis Presley wasn't a songwriter. I mean they were just great singers and performers and yeah i feel like you know my strength is in performing and doing the stuff i love to do so is that the part that you love the most is it the performance is it the studio yeah. is it it's the is the performance well the studio is an afterthought that's that's not what you know i'm not in it to make records i'm in it to to perform I, it's what i've done my my whole life and uh to me that's the art the being able to get up on the stage and just win it, you know, make a, a crowd just get it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I said, I mean, I think you've been the introduction to the blues for a lot of people. You know? Well, I'm happy if I have been. <laughs> <laughs> Kaja, you look like you're itching for another question. Oh. You literally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, like in, with the interpretation of songs, like, do you take a lot of time to like think about like a song before you go out and perform it or it's just something? Yeah, well, in the sense that uh, I want to feel comfortable doing the song. Uh, I, I've heard so many great songs. I have to sort of figure out how I would do it, you know, to make it mine. Any artist, you know, has to make the material they do their own. I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a machine. I'm not a tape recorder. I, so I'm going to do it the way I want to do it, and uh, um, 
I mean, I, I don't study how to make it my own. I just have an instinctual feeling of how I want to put it across. You know, you have to make it yours somehow. So talking a little bit about and you mentioned um, like the being kind of technology illiterate, your, your words, you know. Yeah. Um, so on, you know, on stage, obviously, you know, there's so many new electronics and stuff with music. So what are you what what kind of gear are you using? Are you still kind of using? I, I don't I don't plug into anything. I play acoustic. Uh, I have a SM57 for the guitar and a yeah, 58 right for there. the vocal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um so it's pretty basic, basic. Uh, um, so you're not using a, a bunch of pedals or anything no like pedals, that? No pedals, no electronics. It's just kind of... It's all front. job. Yeah. yeah. Well, a lot to of... To me, that's the art. Like, you know, photography, uh, black and white is the art. Um, so that's the way I kind of I like to use that analogy. Getting as much across with as little flair as possible. Yeah, make it be totally real, and uh, that's, that's what I'm into. I mean, that, yeah, that's as real as it gets. But when you so. record, that's a whole other world. I mean, engineers know how to get certain sounds and so forth. And uh, when I recorded with Tom Waits, there was this phenomenal engineer named Oz Fritz, and he could make make the sound right. He could get those funky. Uh, nuances and stuff that that uh, that m make a song pop, you know. Yeah, it's like it's funny because a lot of guitar players that you talk to, they're always on the quest for for tone. You yeah. know, like they're trying to find the right tone, but you're just you're just plugging well, in. Well, when I play acoustic, that that's true. When I play electric, which isn't often, but when I record. Um, I want the funkiest sound, <laughs> the smallest amp, you know, that you can make make an amp sound, you know, really funky. Kalamazoo, it's that big, but it sounds <laughs> enormous. Right, exactly. That's amazing. So looking back on your career, your, your long, like, uh, incredible career, if you think about it that way, mm -hmm. um, what's the one thing that, you know, looking back, you're most proud of? I know it's That's a big hard. question. I got so many things that I'm really happy with that I've, you know, I've made some really good recordings, like you say, but I played some on some shows with artists that came backstage afterwards and artists who I admire and saying, man, that was great, you know. And I mean, for Howling Wolf to tell me that he really loved what I did was incredible. Uh, Robert Lockwood, all these you know, phenomenal players who I admire, for them to, you know, acknowledge me makes me feel really good. Uh, I mean, every time I play, it's, it's right now, and it's important. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to tonight. Yeah, so you're playing tonight at the Attic in Ybor City, right right down the road. You know, uh, what can you tell us about the current live show and, and how you're doing now? I just play what I feel like playing. I don't plan a show. Uh, there's a lot of songs I do every night um, that sort of get me uh, going, And but I, I'll play whatever I feel like. So do you write the set list ahead of time? Or no, do you, I don't have a set list. You just go out and tell the band 
we're doing this one till the band. Then no, there's no band. No it's band. Just, it's, it's just, just you. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, they don't do full bands in the attic. That's even that's even cooler. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's as I'm cool a as solo. Can. That's what I do. And um, the few times I've had bands on the road have been usually when I have a record out that was recorded with a band or. Mm-hmm. But it, lately, last time I had a band out was after the Tom Waits record. Wow, really? So it's and, uh, you. Yeah, it's just me. What's the if you can pull that off? That's no, something. that's that is something. Like I think that's as you know, that's as real as it gets. It's hard to it's hard to perform on your own. You know, I don't even like doing this podcast on my own. I get nervous <laughs> when these guys aren't here. Uh, so, how how do you pull that together? Just to I don't know. I just, just go yeah. for it, and uh, this is what I'm done all my all my career has been just getting up on the stage and being scared out of my wits and <laughs> making it happen somehow. Do you, Do you still feel that way? Uh, not so much. I'm yeah, not so afraid I as I used to be, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's just me. I can't rely on the bass player to or the drummer or whatever. Mm-hmm. I got to do it myself. So it means that you have to have your your shit together. <laughs> yeah. Excuse my French. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, that's like a, I forgot, I think it was Jimmy Fallon from The Tonight Show said that like, they asked him if he gets nervous before he goes and does his show and he said that he's totally nervous up until the curtains open and then it's, then he's just doing his thing. You have to do it, yeah. That's what it comes down to, what you have to do. <laughs> yeah. So what's next for, for John Hammond? Uh, beyond this tour a drive back to uh, the frozen north (laughs) we leave tomorrow Um, I have shows uh, next month and in May there's uh, the the Blues Foundation has the uh, the annual Blues Awards they've asked me to to come up there and be part of that so in May we'll drive down to Memphis and hang out there for a few days I have shows this summer. Um, I'll be 76 this year. Yikes. Hey, and, uh, you made it. So I can kind of pick and choose now. I mean, you know, I'm, my wife and I love to travel. We have friends all over the place. And so we just pick up and go sometimes or just hang out at home. And home is wonderful. Does yeah. your wife travel with you when you yeah, tour? Yeah, we go everywhere. That's together. awesome. Yeah. That's fantastic. I learned over the years that if you don't go together, then you can't really share it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can talk about it, but being there together makes it real. And uh, That's beautiful. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, that's a really beautiful sentiment. Thanks. So I wish I could take my wife with me everywhere we go. It's me. hard, you know, <laughs> but if you insist on it and make it happen, it happens. So does does she help with some of the tour duties and totally? <laughs> I mean, like I say, I don't do computers, and she does, and uh, so much today is using the the technology of. Uh, I mean, I know how to do some things, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, I can press the GPS buttons and yeah. stuff like that. But uh, in terms of you know uh, planning stuff in advance and everything is now online and whatever so she kind of is like core manager totally and, uh, and manager <laughs> and uh 
bodyguard best, best is needed. Critic. <laughs> <laughs> best critic. Man, that sounded weird tonight. You know, <laughs> is she brutally honest like that? Oh yeah, that's no, the only she's way great. to be. No, she's she's really great. She's I'm a very fortunate man. That's that's awesome. Right, well, any final thoughts for our listeners? If you just some parting words of wisdom, whatever you'd like to say. <laughs> no, I just to think you should uh, follow your heart and go you know, make it happen the way you want it to the best you can.